to hold these truths to be self-evident. A date which will live in infamy. Ask not what your country can do for you. That's one small step for man. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Tear down this wall. Read my lips. I did not have sexual relations with yeah, that woman. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Stop the education government schools failed to give you. This is WTN University. WTN University, the advancing church history proves without it there can be no political freedom. Atheists, Jesus freaks, you got as much invested in this as the next guy. Can't have one without the other. What do we have? An ineffective church, a church in hiding, a church in retreat. You know, there is no existence of darkness. It's simply the absence of light. This nation was intended for a moral people a dutiful citizenry of self-governed, personally responsible people. And that has vanished. And our republic is vanishing before our eyes because of it. The advancing church, not in hiding, advancing. Without it, there can be no political freedom. And our headmaster and professor throughout this course has been Kevin Kukaji from the advance, uh, not the, so yeah, I did it there, advancingchurch.com. And, you know, we started last week our top 10 questions. And and I, I would like to say that these are from people that have been listening to all 24 classes of the course. Uh, I, I recognize that some of them are enemies. Some of them are plant questions. They think that they're trick questions, but they're all worth answering. And I love that. I love that when I get an email from an enemy as much as an email from a friend, because it reminds me of what needs to be further dusted out or further explained. Uh, so we really wanted to take two weeks and go through these 10 selected questions as they relate to the entire course. Last week, you did one through three. Today, we're going to do questions four through ten. Kevin Kukaji, WTN University, begins right now. Thank you, Michael. And uh, to your point about answering questions from those who disagree with our point of view, I find those not only the most challenging but the most exciting because they really sharpen our ability to respond. So I always like to respond to those and and make sure that I can answer hey, them iron sharpens iron, whether it's, it's coming from your fellow soldiers or from your enemy. That's right. So I'm going to get right into this. Uh, We did the first three questions last week, and today we start off with question number four. Question number four is, what are the potential dangers of mixing politics and Christianity? Well, if by mixing politics and Christianity one means establishing a theocracy, then of course that would be a danger. But that is not what Christianity is. Can I call time out real quick? Because I get this one all the time. Are there people out there that really don't understand the difference between a constitutional republic that was founded with a certain intent of civic self-governance and duty and responsibility that works best with a moral people or historically were moral people uh, versus an actual theocracy that our founding fathers were not interested, were fleeing, quite frankly, Uh, especially it's April 6, 2016. We have theocracies on this earth. Yes, and we're going to talk about some <laughs> but of I mean, those. I, is they, it a no, trick? Do, legit- do they think they're being f- cute with a trick question, a gotcha question, or do they really not know the freaking difference? They don't know the difference. Uh, C.S. Lewis always said that falsehood enters the world in pairs. So the pairs that they would always uh, try to get us to commit to is that either it's a theocracy or no religious involvement You know, Barry Lynn used to work for me in Washington, D.C. I mean, they went around and around with him. 
And sometimes I, I, I didn't know if I was, this is going to sound terrible on this show, but I didn't know if I was dealing with a spiritual deception. I mean, this is a very brilliant guy, a very nice guy, a very fun, funny guy, somebody I actually affectionately loved. And, you know, and I would be talking to him, and there's like this wall between us. And I'm like, how could this brilliant guy not, I mean, how, how do you keep jumping on me and not get it? It's, I, I don't know if it's in pairs. I don't know if it's in the spirit realm, but I mean, very intelligent people play this game and can't seem to see it. Well, we're, gonna, we're going to answer it today, and uh, that way people will have a permanent record that they can go back to and Good. refer to. Good. Go. Because so, I hate this one. Well, if by mixing politics and Christianity one means establishing a theocracy, then of course that would be a danger. But that is not what Christianity is. If you fear theocracy, then you should fear Islam, which advocates an unaccountable civil power imposing Sharia without the consent of the governed. Christianity, on the other hand, limits the power of the state. Jesus Christ rejected theocracy, explaining that his kingdom is not of this world. But this should never be an excuse to abandon our duty to engage in political affairs. And we must recognize a straw man when we see him. We are told that Christianity can't be permitted to inform our political decisions because to do so means that Christians want to replace the state with the church. But we can reject theocracy without abandoning the influence of religious belief on policy, just as we can encourage the participation and influence of Christians in political affairs without advocating for the church to replace the state. <clears throat> By the way, your candidate has done a terrific job with this, explaining people the difference uh, in that as an atheist, you have a right to not participate in the Pledge of Allegiance, but you don't have a right to silence everyone else. That's right. You have a right to not be religious, but you don't have a right to silence everybody else. See, I do ultimately disagree with you that I don't think that these individuals really don't know the difference between a theocracy and a republic that may be made up of Christians. Um, well, because if do. they did, they would be attacking Islam equally or That's more right. than Christianity and fear, and they don't. Well, I, I suppose we should make a distinction between, the, just like in any movement, there are the communist leaders and then there are all of the useful idiots. <laughs> I think in this regard, there are also a, a bunch of, and I don't even mean that disparagingly, as much to indicate the difference between the people leading the movement who truly do know the difference and those who naively But Larry Sabato had a great line concerning the election in his crystal ball looking forward. And I really love the line because I've been living it. And that is that in this era of social media, there is this perception that an uninformed opinion is is, e- is equal to or just as valid as an informed opinion. Mm-hmm. And they're not. Exactly. And that's very true in this particular issue. Yeah. And, and actually, we're going to. They don't get... know what the establishment clause is. And therefore, they, they're just repeating talking points that they get throughout common education, throughout higher education, throughout movies, television. Yeah. And as I was driving in and hearing you talk about uninformed. Um, it, it plays right into one of these questions that we're going right, to I'm not going to interrupt any more, although I Sorry. love this topic. Well, theocracy is rampant in America today, but it has nothing to do with the church. Theocracy in our day masquerades as confer- concern for the environment, where every citizen must conform to the state religion of man-made climate change or else face ridicule, shaming, and fines accompanied by loss of liberty and opportunity. Theocracy also manifests itself among the diversity police, whose idea of diversity allows for no actual diversity of ideas, where citizens are forced to surrender their rights of conscience at the altar of the absolute state or face loss of business, fines, and even incarceration. Question number five. By the way, I'd just like to stop on that. Uh, You know, diversity. Uh, I I don't know what to make of it. It's become an idol of worship. You cannot watch, uh, and I, I, unfortunately I get to watch a lot of Disney Channel and Nickelodeon. Uh, it's amazing to me. Show after show after show. You, I, I can only think of one or two shows that even have parents in them. 
So you're to presume, take Jesse, for example, you're to presume that an India Indian, an African American, a Hispanic and a white, all just so happen to be brothers and sisters living in a home with no mother and father ever present. All right. So the point being that if diversity happens, great. I mean, at some point, we got to be Americans. We, you know, we have to assimilate and be something more than just our differences, what we unite and collectively rally around. Uh, I don't care if a room is black, Hispanic, white, Asian. Oh, there was an Asian in that show, too. Uh, but when you can't make a show without all being simultaneously represented, that's different. That You've become something really freakish. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, before you go on to question five, what a powerful point. If there are any waves of theocracy that are brewing, it's Islam, it's environment, it's diversity, it's immorality, and it's new tolerance. Just like we've said for decades, everybody sits there and says, you can't legislate morality as they legislate immorality every day. day. Oh, my God, I want off this earth. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, It actually brings up a good topic because we'll, we'll talk in the future about what's called the fraud of multiculturalism, but we'll save that for another day. Okay, number five, what are the dangers of separating Christianity from politics? This is a very good question. And some of it will involve review um, for the listeners, but you'll get this. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, period. He did not exclude any people or geography, and he certainly didn't allow for any caveat about Christians not engaging in politics. Politics is the arena where we discuss some of the most important questions of our day. How can we be salt and light if we remove ourselves from that conversation? Separating Christianity from politics, in fact, would be qualifying the Great Commission. We did a program on that. And it would come at great cost to human liberty and justice for all of society because modernity has no answers for the abuse of power. The church is the only institution with the moral authority to make distinctions between a state acting within its proper sphere and a usurping absolutist state. Indeed, the body of Christ is uniquely qualified to encourage a wise and frugal government and to stand as a necessary check against a bad one. Government is ordained by God, responsible for repelling foreign enemies, defending the God-given rights of its citizens, and otherwise maintaining domestic security and justice, for there can be no true freedom without the law. But the state is not absolute. It is a temporary institution willed by God for the present age. The state is God's servant to the extent it remains in God's order and does not seek to emancipate itself by becoming totalitarian. When a state remains within these limits, Christians will be its greatest defender. But when the state transgresses its boundaries by infringing upon, limiting, or otherwise seeking to condition our fundamental rights, Christians must lead the resistance, even at the hazard of their lives. Pastor C. Berger's begun a series of grace uh, on the kingdom of heaven. Do you think that a lot of this has to do with people's lack of true uh, revelation and factual understanding about the kingdom of uh, of God, this notion that we live in the kingdom of America now, right. when I'm dead, then the kingdom of heaven is relevant. Therefore, the kingdom of God is not relevant living here in a nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Uh, you know, this notion of an ultimate authority, this notion that right. the kingdom of heaven is not present, it's past, present, and future. Right. It's there, it's somewhere we're going to go, but it's somewhere they can come here now. Right. Have you ever eaten something and said, wow, this is out of this world? You know what you're saying? This is heavenly. Yeah. This is beyond. But, you know, I'm, I wonder how much we don't, under, you know, because, you know, there's got to be somebody who looked at the radio when you were saying all that and said, 
Well, are you kidding me? There wasn't, you know, there wasn't an America when Jesus was walking there. Things mm-hmm. were so political when Jesus was walking the world. He had everybody coming to him trying to get him to be political. Yep. He had everybody coming trying to trick him into being political. He had everybody expecting them, him, to lead them to a in new a kingdom and theocracy. That's right. So, I mean, you know, the, the climate of when Jesus was walking the earth is so close to the climate we're living right now from religious divisions to political divisions and empires. Well, and it's why I like this, and we'll, we'll pick it up on the other side, but it's why I like this this study and this discussion so much because it gives me the opportunity to teach truth and to explain to people that all of the Bible, as we've covered in this class, Michael, is a history of God's, God's people confronting kings and powers and rulers and authorities and making that distinction between a government ordained by God in its proper role and a government which exceeds its limits. We'll continue with WTN University, the advancing church. Without there can be no political freedom, and we're losing more and more of it every day when we come back. Trump, I predicted 36 to 39, so I was within my margin of error. Uh, look at the trend here. 40 to nothing in Utah, 10 to nothing in North Dakota, 36 to 6 in Wisconsin. Ted Cruz, in the last three primaries, has taken 86 to 6 uh, delegates. Uh, that's quite a trend, and that's what makes Donald Trump's 56 remaining Percentage of the 494 remaining delegates, uh, such a tall task moving forward. Now, do I think Cruz can get 81% of the remaining delegates? No. The reality is nobody's going to get 1237. And delegates are going to decide who the nominee is. We'll have more on that coming up uh, after WTN University with Kevin Kukaji, who happens to be the chairman of Ted Cruz for president in the state of Tennessee. But that aside, right now we're talking about the advancing church, and without it, there could be no political freedom. And we're looking at our top 10 questions from those that have been listening to the class, and we're all the way up to question number six. Man, what a great Casey Kasem voice. Hello, America. I like your Jim Nance, by the way. I'm having a hard time getting into character, but go ahead. (laughs) All right, question number six, and this has a much longer answer, so we'll get as far as we can, reach a natural break, and then pick it up on the other side of the hour. Is there a danger of having our religious liberty stripped by being uninformed about politics. <laughs> well, contrary to folklore, ignorance is not bliss. It fuels the enemies of freedom, nourishing the advance of false ideas while starving truth of its sustaining force, knowledge. We cannot defend truth if we do not first know what is true, and we cannot know what is true unless truth is our object. First Liberty Institute publishes an annual survey on the hostility to religion in America. It's called Undeniable. This report exposes the increasing incidence of religious persecution in the United States, most of which goes unreported by the media. Hostility toward Christianity in particular is accelerating across America, even as it does around the globe. Employees are being wrongly terminated, businesses are being destroyed, and ministries are restricted from carrying out their missions. Even the military has joined in the unlawful discrimination against chaplains, banning the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, while encouraging the practice of Islam, forcing women into combat, and coercing soldiers into gay sensitivity programs. Meanwhile, Republican governors, once a dependable force for freedom, collaborate with big business against the common good, threatening conscientious objectors to abandon their convictions under force of law. And it's important to remember that the effects of discriminating against Christians are not limited to those whose rights are violated. The effort to diminish the influence of religious belief in the political arena, combined with the coordinated aims to extinguish the right of Christians to freely exercise their faith or abstain by right of conscience, is destructive to all of society. Religious liberty is the most important among our unalienable rights. Its enumeration in the First Amendment reinforces its preeminence as the indispensable freedom. 
Our ancestors fled Europe in order to establish a new society on this continent where they could live freely according to their convictions. And when England demanded their absolute loyalty, the colonists announced to the world that they were appealing to God for relief. One cannot account for limits on the power of government without a transcendent universal moral standard. If the state is unaccountable to anything beyond itself, we become subject to its whims. Because our founders understood that the state becomes absolute in the absence of God, they encouraged the practice of religion and vigorously assured its protection. Religion and morality were deemed the indispensable supports to a free and civil society. The more virtue one has, the less government one needs. These convictions served our nation well for over 200 years. Our present deterioration, however, is directly attributable to decades of coordinated efforts to undermine this first freedom. We face cultural collapse and loss of all order because many Americans no longer believe in the purpose, the destiny, and these moral foundations of the American order. And we, we, we talked about this earlier, but and we get, this is where we're going to have to break yep. and finish the question, the answer in the other half. But this, this is everything. This was the theme of the show today. This presumption that an uninformed opinion is equal to an informed opinion. <laughs> you know, the facts don't matter. Truth doesn't matter. You know, my brother is in the collectible coin and gold business. Do you know what makes him very successful? Knowing the difference in condition, knowing the difference in authenticity. Do you know how my brother knows a fraud? Because he knows the real thing. Mm -hmm. He's an expert at what the real thing is. You have to know the real thing in order to be able to identify the fraud. Uh, And then I think themes that have come up constantly for us is that people, this view that delayed consequences, avoided consequence. Listen, every pastor who is failing to disciple and activate his church is collectively allowing us to lose our republic. And those in silence are doing just as much damage as those who are out there constructing the damage. I hope you're getting it. I, I hope you see that so much of the 22 previous classes are coming to life in all these Q&As. And we'll continue with the uh, sixth question when we come back on WTN University. Ow. Ow, ow. Mr. Del Giorno, I know you know this material better than the professor, but at least look interested. You're listening to WTN University on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. The advancing church. Without it, there can be no political freedom. It's 1038. I'm Michael Del Giorno along with our headmaster and professor, Kevin Cookagee. It's cloudy and 60 on our way to a high of 69 on our way to rain. Um, we're answering the question, are there any dangers in believers being uninformed? Yes! But uh, the answer is a little more eloquent when the teacher does it. Here's Kevin. Well, thanks. And here's an important part. Um, we were talking about the real dangers of loss of our religious liberties in America, and we started to highlight and overview them. But you wouldn't learn these things if your goal was merely to inform yourselves about politics. Because information is not the remedy for ignorance. There is a difference between merely informing ourselves and informing ourselves of what is true. If we aim only to inform ourselves about politics, we may discover some truth along the way. But we are more than likely to be deceived by a lot of false ideas. Being ill-informed, in fact, is the only thing worse than being uninformed. But if truth is our aim, we shall become well-informed able to distinguish bad ideas from good ones and right from wrong. Well, you might ask, how can we make such distinctions? What is the standard for determining truth? 
Christians, of course, believe that Jesus Christ is the source of all truth. Well, but he, he claimed to be the way, the truth, the and life. the life. But even if you do not subscribe to a Christian point of view, it is undeniable that knowledge derives from belief. A lot of people operate under the false pretense that the accumulation of information equates to knowledge and that it is this reservoir of information that enlightens one's view of the world. But this is demonstrably untrue. In fact, it is entirely backwards. Belief does not follow knowledge. Knowledge follows belief. One's worldview does not derive from one's knowledge or the information one gathers. One's knowledge derives from one's view of the world. Moreover, only when you believe what is true can you see things as they really are. Only when your view of the world is accurate can you derive the right meaning from the information you see. Now, to explain this, I'm going to illustrate a concept that we've covered in this class before, but since it's been a while, I thought it would be an appropriate time to inject it. Imagine, if you will, that we're standing on a beach in California. We're watching the sunset to the west, and all the ocean is still, save for one oil tanker heading away from us toward the horizon. There's no doubt that you and I see the same exact thing, an oil tanker headed west toward the horizon. The only difference is that you believe the world is round, and I happen to believe that it's flat. Well, this has consequences. For while you have no apprehension about the continued journey of the oil tanker beyond our view, I become paralyzed with fear, believing the ship will fall off the horizon. You know that the ship will come back. But I lobby Congress to pass legislation forbidding ships from sailing toward the horizon. Never content with one act of social benevolence, I would then seek to ban children from playing in the ocean, worried that an undertow might suck them away from their parents and send them to their death over the edge of the earth. And then, of course, who would contribute to Social Security? <laughs> and like all do-gooders, I would then seek new regulations effectively outlawing the building of ships. All of this harm resulting not because I was unable to see what you had seen, but rather because I believed things that were not true. My knowledge of the true condition of the ship had nothing to do with what I saw. It had everything to do with what I believed. So if becoming informed about politics is not rooted in truth, we will develop very bad ideas. If our view of the world is incorrect, we will draw the wrong conclusions from the information we acquire. And this leads to moral confusion and bad decisions. For only when you believe what is true can you see things as they really are. And only when you see things as they really are will you possess the moral clarity to distinguish between true and false and right and wrong. You know, uh, I'll interject because there are so so many fingers to point. Um, one, we don't have families that stay together, let alone apply a biblical worldview of the home. All right, so you have fathers not doing – listen, I don't sleep every night worrying about how I'm handling my stewardship of my children. So this is not from piety I speak. Um do I probably do better than a lot of fathers out there? Yeah, but my standard isn't those that are failing. My standard is a God that has called me to perfection. All right, so but we have parents failing children. We have educators, not just failing children, indoctrinating them with this wrong view, telling them the world is flat, reinforcing that the world is flat through every movie that is made, every television show that they watch, every PSA that runs during the commercial breaks of those television shows, let alone their professors waiting for them at universities. And then over the course of time, you have generations that are indoctrinated with this worldview, raising children in this worldview. All right, so it is this ever-perpetual—I mean, it is a tough enough challenge for you as a professor to explain them the difference between truth and information, and that all information is not equal, and which shapes which, 
And then the forces, I'm talking tidal wave, mm-hmm. Kevin, of forces yep. selling a false narrative. Yep. That's what we're up against yeah, in abso- a republic, if you can keep it. Absolutely. And it's noise too, Michael. <clears throat> the, more it, the more information in the marketplace, the more noise there is. And so that's – to use the analogy that you used about your brother, was your brother or brother-in-law? Brother. You, yeah. Okay. Only when you know what the true thing is can you recognize all the counterfeits. It's so important with all the noise and all the information. Okay, so let me move to question number seven. Should a Christian be patriotic? And, and along with this comes, does pledging allegiance to America hinder our allegiance to God? Richard Weaver wrote that when words no longer correspond to objective realities, it seems no great wrong to take liberties with words. From this point on, faith in language as a means of arriving at truth, excuse me, <clears throat> weakens. Well, allergy season. Go ahead. Yeah. Until our own age, filled with acute sense of doubt, looks for a remedy in the new science of semantics. I say this because it captures my feelings regarding patriotism. The word has been twisted so far beyond its original meaning that one is damned if he defends it and damned if he doesn't. Mm -hmm. But inferences may be made about my views uh, by how I respond to the other part of the question. In examining the appropriateness of pledging allegiance to anything other than God, we must be careful not to blur distinctions. It would be of more benefit, I think, to inquire whether pledging allegiance to America must come at the expense of our allegiance to God. The short answer is no, provided we understand the purpose of authority. John Winthrop, the first governor of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, explained that the proper end and object of authority is liberty. And he went on to suggest that we stand for this liberty with the hazard not only of our goods, but of our very lives. Well, unfortunately, there's a mountain of evidence to suggest that the present administration, the courts, and the entire political class today employs its authority toward very different ends. All authority, as we've explained, comes from God. When any authority, whether an employer, a parent, or a government, recognizes that the source of its recognizes the source of its authority and remains within its prescribed limits, those under that authority have a duty to obey. This is a form of allegiance. But our allegiance to temporal authorities is conditional. It only extends for so long as that authority does not violate eternal rights. And we had a class on that a few weeks ago. So while it's permissible and worthy to pledge our allegiance to America, we must never yield to the decrees of a temporary master, which have no moral force when they violate our natural rights or otherwise imposed upon us without our consent. What is America? Is it a GPS location? Or is it – you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, oh, you're exactly no, right. Because it's, it's deteriorating just, into nothing more than a GPS location. That's all it is. Location. And when I was in Washington, D.C., and I'm looking I – mean, if I thought about who used to live there, or what it was intended to be. You know, I'm uncomfortable with those that believe it is politically incorrect to be patriotic, and as equally as uncomfortable as I am with those that are patriotic, regardless of what we've become. Um, The way I cut through with the analogy is, and I I mean this with all due respect, I do not believe, and my grandfather and great-grandfather on another side made a tremendous sacrifice. They sacrificed everything they knew, everything they hoped, everything they dreamed, uh, they gave up their life for their children's grandchildren and great-grandchildren they'd never meet. I don't think any of them would have come here if we were what we are today compared to what we were when they came. Uh, in fact, quite frankly, we look more like what they left <laughs> than what they came to. And I actually – and I say this all the time. If people think I'm being mel- melodramatic, I'm not. No, you're you're going to see, see it happen. 
I am going to do the very same thing. I'm going to throw away the rest of my radio career. I'm going to throw away my retirement, the rest of my life, for the sake of my grandchildren that I may meet and my great-grandchildren that I won't, because I might leave here. It's getting to the point where I'm not only not patriotic, I know when it's time to leave. Yeah, there's no question that it has devolved to a point where people view America only as a geographic location on a map, and we've lost we've lost regard and we've lost um, knowledge of everything that made us America in the first place. Well, it's certainly not. Li- it's not looking like it's about life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness and self governance and what we were intended to be. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, question number eight. And again, some of this will be review, but it's a good opportunity. Which responsibilities of providing help to our citizens are the government's? and which belong to the church. And then there was a participle helping the poor, clothing the naked, feeding the hungry. The duty of government is plainly described in our founding documents. The Declaration of Independence, which established the philosophical and moral basis for our system of government, famously asserts that governments are instituted among men to secure their rights, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. The Constitution then enumerates the powers of government necessary to secure those rights, namely to establish justice ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty. Taken together, the Declaration and Constitution affirm the lessons of history and human nature that our founders studied concerning the proper duties and limits of government. These principles are rooted in Scripture. And I hear the music, so rather than... Well, because this is so brilliant. Government was to be our advocate, our protector. It has become our greatest enemy. I don't know what it thinks it is now. Huh. Great thief and redistributor of justice and wealth. Yes, but it be- has ceased being what it was meant to be to become everything that perhaps we cease to be in our own character. It's, it's becoming God in so many people's minds. And when you let the government become God, it will certainly assume that duty. And you'll get to experience hell prematurely. It's 1049, the advancing church. Without it, there could be no political freedom. We're not advancing, and we're losing our political freedom. I hope you're getting the brilliance of this course and our professor. We'll wrap up uh, question eight and then get to nine and ten somehow. And then on to Wisconsin and who moved the cheese and what it means when we continue on WTM. Miss Freeman, why can't you be like Mr. Del Giorno? And for goodness sakes, sit like a lady. You're listening to WTN University on Super Talk 99.7 WTN. By the way, Gwen Freeman did not drop the chorus. She just dropped the station. <laughs> but she still lingers in our imaging. All right, 1054, final moments of today's class. WTN University, the advancing church. Without it, there can be no political freedom with Kevin Cookagee. Well, Michael, before the break, we were talking about <clears throat> how the Declaration and Constitution affirm the lessons of human history and human nature that our founders studied, and they're rooted in Scripture. No one more beautifully synthesized these duties and limits, however, than Thomas Jefferson in his 1801 inaugural address, where he said, With all these blessings, what is more necessary? What more is necessary to make us a happy and prosperous people? Still one thing more, fellow citizens, a wise and frugal government, which shall restrain men from injuring one another, shall leave them otherwise free to regulate their own pursuits of industry and improvement, and which shall not take from the mouth of labor the bread it has earned. This is the sum of good government. Government fails when it gets off this mission. The collapse of states throughout the history of the world, in fact, can be traced to their habit of inserting themselves into affairs where they do not belong while retreating from their obligations. In many cases, Christians contribute to the problem by conflating the kingdom of heaven with the kingdom of this world. 
advocating that the government solve problems for which it possesses neither the right nor the capacity. And in so doing, we have surrendered to the state an undeserved moral authority to speak into issues where it has no business intruding and to act in areas that are exclusively reserved to God. One need only look to the issue of poverty to illustrate how this destroys society. In the past 50 years alone, we've wasted over a trillion dollars in the so-called war on poverty. And to what end? Broken families, greater dependency on government, and no decrease in the overall level of poverty. I've written extensively on this issue, and we talked about it. We had a whole class devoted to poverty. Time doesn't permit us today to examine, it, to examine that. Um, and you can see those, of course, on the AdvancingChurch.com website. But all of these issues, and as we talked about in the break, Michael, um, this, this is a great – one of the reasons I wanted to do these questions, and we'll stop here. We've got two more we'll, we'll use for next week. So we can sort of have a wrap on class. If not next week, then certainly the, yeah, the, the week but after that. But the war that. on poverty is a great example of it's not about information. Uh, you know, knowing the difference between information and truth, knowing the proper role of government and its intent, and then I think probably one of the most glaring things is is wisdom. You know, wisdom comes from having lived. It's a distinction. I mean, you know, we talk about the war on poverty. We're li- we've lived it, and for fifty years we've failed it. Sixty years we've failed it. We all we did was change what government was supposed to be but to the for the worse and haven't impacted the problem at all and only wisdom would say well this isn't working we got to try something differently um so i think you know politics is ignorance of what is a godly moral people versus a theocracy the difference between information and truth uh proper size and role of government and its intent versus the responsibility of the self-governed. And this is all power. Everything it really proves that everything we discuss every day is a symptom. <laughs> and it's relevant. Let me give let me give two previews for next week. We're gonna answer the last two questions. What is the importance of voting and participating in politics? That's number one. And how do we seek what is best for America as well as seeking the kingdom of God?